0: Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Well, our sermon text this week comes from Matthew twenty-one and twenty-one one through eleven, and it is a text that we are all familiar with. Uh, Being Palm Sunday, it is uh, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Now hear the word of the Lord. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied to a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. They took place to fulfill what this took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt of the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them. And he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowd were, was saying, This is the prophet Jesus of from Nazareth in Galilee. Well, that is the word of the Lord. Well, I want to ask you a question first. We start off uh, this morning. Uh, Have you ever been in a situation where uh, a crowd of people have chanted your name? Have you ever been in a a crowd where people have begun to chant your name in expectation of you doing something? Uh, Take a moment and uh, take a moment and if you're with yourself, if you're with yourself, uh, put in the comments uh, tell us that story about where you were when, when um, people were chanting your name. If you are gathered with your family, uh, share a story and then maybe uh, post in the comments. And uh, then I'll come back and tell you about one of my experiences. So we could do that now. All right. I hope that wasn't a long story. Um, you can pick it up later. Well, uh, I've been in this situation, and uh, it's, it's one of my, well, maybe not one of my finest moments. Uh, I was youth pastor for 10 years and I, in, in St. Louis, and uh, somehow I got roped into helping to put on a district event uh, we belong to a district and there's lots of churches that, that are participate in that. And so every year there's this event called Blast. And it's basically a talent and sports competition where all of the, peop- all the teenagers from the district come together and they do things like play basketball and sing and play their musical instruments. And um, so I was in charge of this thing with a friend of mine from the district, Robbie. We'd, we'd actually known each other for a long time. And Uh, Killing was a big event and uh, it was held, uh, the closing ceremonies anyway, were held at the North County Christian School and we were in their gym and uh, I don't know if I had eaten something, uh, but I began to experience some gastrointestinal distress. Uh, And we'll just leave it. We'll leave it right there. And so I knew the timing of it was such that uh, I was going to miss the closing ceremonies of which I was supposed to be uh, an important part, handing out awards and things like that. And so I told Robbie, I said, Robbie, hey, I got to go take care of some stuff and uh, let him know what was happening. And I I went off to the bathroom and the bathroom was just right off of the gym there. And uh, I, I thought that I would be done quickly and let's just say it didn't go as smoothly as i had anticipated and so i was in there longer than i wanted and and as i sat there you know trying my best i don't know uh, i start hearing i start hearing the crowd get louder and louder the the door kind of i don't know it wasn't one that closed you kind of you know snake around and and i hear them and, and i listen closer and it gets louder and louder and they're chanting they're chanting they're chanting my name they're saying Jason. Jason, Jason, and apparently Robbie had told them what was happening, and so I like I'm dying. I'm mortified the fact that I don't know how many 200 kids are in this gym and they know exactly what I'm doing at that moment. And so I, uh, I, I, kept finish up and I run out into the gym. And as I run out into the gym, they just erupt into applause and laughter and my face probably turned about 17 shades of red just as dark as you could possibly get uh, i hope that your story was a little bit more flattering than that one but uh hopefully you understand what, it, what it's like the anticipation that people might have in in waiting for someone or for yourself to, to do something or to arrive on a scene uh, i'm really sure that that this is kind of uh, although, obviously, a little more glorified than this, that this is the situation Jesus finds himself in today, in today's passage, uh, in uh, in Matthew. Uh, there are two important stories, though, that I think that happened right before Matthew tells us about Jesus coming into uh, the capital city of Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. The first story has two of Jesus' disciples, the sons of Zebedee, I believe we are told. So that's... Uh, uh, I think it's James and John. And anyway, their mother comes up to Jesus and they she says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I want you to do me a favor. And Jesus is like, okay. And she's like, shoot. And she's like, okay, I want that when you come into your kingdom for my sons to sit at your right hand and at your left hand. Now, those are positions of honor and power and authority. Uh, so she's asking that her her children become like the right-hand man and the left-hand man, like the the go-to people for Jesus in his coming kingdom. And Jesus says, hey, no, that's not for me to grant actually. And then he turns to the rest of the disciples who overheard this conversation and were rightly upset uh, and said, hey, you know that in the kingdom of the Gentiles, the leaders could have lorded over everyone. Uh, that when they are leaders, they, they use their advantage and, and their power for their own benefit. And Jesus says that's not how it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God. He said, in fact, the, the first, if you desire to be great in the kingdom of God, you will be the least. If you, if, if you are the least, those who are the least will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Uh, kind of the whole first will be last and the last will be first. That true power and and responsibility in the kingdom of God is service, humble service, uh, to God and to others. Uh, the second story has to do with uh, Jesus heals a blind man, and, and uh, throughout the Gospels, the, the kind of the theme of blindness is goes out, uh, weaves through things, and you will find over and over again that the Pharisees are kind of blind to be able to see who Jesus is in in his uh, in his godness, in his coming as the savior, so I want to keep those two those two stories kind of in the back of our mind as we we kind of retell this story. Um, I, I think it's I think it's like Psalm twenty three a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is one of those texts that's really familiar to us because it is Palm Sunday, and it's one of those texts that we talk about and look at, at almost every year. Uh, that maybe we we forget or we don't find all the truest meaning that is, um, that's inherent in this text. And so I'm sure that you've, you've experienced this passage. Maybe you've seen, uh, maybe you've gone to a different church that's had a huge Easter play, a cantata or whatever, cantata. And you have Jesus, you know, coming ushered into the the sanctuary with uh, kids and people shouting and the whole palm branches and things like that. Or maybe you've seen uh, you know, religious movies that depict this scene. And, and it's, really, it's really great to celebrate that. And, but I think there's another layer uh, that's underneath this story. And I think if we look at it and pay attention to it in, in a new way, maybe not a new way, but if we just pay attention to the de- details, then I think, we'll, I think it'll say something for us today uh, in our time. Well, just before Jesus enters into the the city of Jerusalem, he's coming there for the the Passover festival, and he knows where he is going, and he knows that the end of his earthly ministry is drawing near, and he's ready for it. He's tried to prepare his disciples, and they're kind of ready for it, but as the the passages before show, maybe not quite, quite so ready for it. Anyway, they get to the village of Bethphage, and he sends two disciples into the village to go and fetch him a ride into the the city. He asks for them to go in, and they'll find a a colt of a donkey, two donkeys, right? The mother donkey and the colt, and he's like, bring those two, and they will be my ride into the to the city. Now, I'd, I'd like to imagine this. This hit me actually this morning as I was. Uh going over things for the last time, uh thinking about this I wonder if I wonder if the two disciples that Jesus sent into the city were the sons of zebedee uh, if they if the ones that Jesus were hoping uh, that whose mother was hoping that they would be uh, jesus's right and left hand man that they would uh that he would send them on this not so glorious errand uh, I think it's uh maybe a touch of irony. who knows if that was the case. Uh, I, I like to think that it might have been. Well, uh, he brings them in and, uh, and it's it's funny because he sends them in and he says, look, you're going to find these donkeys. And if anybody says anything to you, just say the Lord needs them and they will send them with you immediately. Can you imagine? Uh, it uh, this is This is kind of like. Uh, going into the, you know, like Fulton Ford or whatever, going into the, the Ford dealership and saying, uh, hey, I'm going to take the keys for this Mustang and um, I hope that's OK because the Lord needs it and you're just going to give it to him. And it would be like they just kind of handed over the keys and let you drive off the lot. And there's no guarantee that you're going to get the donkey back or the, you know, the, the Mustang back. Um, And and that's kind of like what this would be like. And remarkably, the two disciples go into the city and they they bring back the colt and his mother. And uh, now there's lots of discussion as to whether Jesus had made arrangements beforehand or if he just had supernaturally taken care of the thing. Uh, Some people like to think that's the case and point to to his divinity. Uh, It doesn't really matter though. It it just matters that the donkey and the colt have come towards... Jesus uh, now um, I think that the story specifies that Jesus is going to ride the colt he's going to run the baby not really a baby anymore but it would have been custom that the first time a donkey would have been put into use uh, they could be stubborn animals and it would have been common for the the animal's mother to come with it the first time it was used as something to kind of ease ease the tension of the young donkey and so that's why there's two anyway the disciples bring back the donkey and they they throw their coats over it and uh, and they begin to march towards the city of Jerusalem now um, Jesus is probably making his way into the city with a with a group of people not just the twelve disciples that he's with but uh, with the with maybe he's with a, a group that are making this pilgrimage into the the capital city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover maybe there's a great throng of people who are with him. Well they begin to see what's happening here and they begin to pick up on some imagery uh, that they've seen throughout the Old Testament and this starts working them into a uh, into a into a frenzy and Matthew tells us Matthew tells them he quotes Zechariah 9 and he says, this is, uh, he says, this is to fulfill Jesus riding this donkey into the Jerusalem. This is to fulfill what is in the Old Testament. And the prophet Zechariah says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you triumphant and victorious is, is he. Humble and riding on the donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, um, whenever... Whenever anybody in the in the Bible, uh, authors, gospel writers, Paul, whenever they quote a passage of scripture, they're they're not just kind of proof texting and brawling this little click, this little clip of text right out and making it say what they mean. They are, they are kind of calling to the forefront of everybody's memory and imagination like the entire passage. And so that's what Jesus or what Matthew is intending for him. He is. He is calling out this passage, not just to say this is Jesus coming into a into Jerusalem, but he's coming. He's calling this whole text uh, into uh, into the forefront of those who are hearing this imagination. And it goes on. Verse eleven and twelve says, "As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit." Uh, Set them free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore you to you double. Uh, yeah, so that, that's what it is. They went went forth to you double. So um, this whole kind of passage and it goes on and it begins this great image of the savior of Israel coming in to Israel to, to release them from oppression. Now. Um, I think it's important to understand here that both the context, uh, both the context of Israel's of Zechariah uh, and the context of Israel's current situation, is that they are they are oppressed. They are not uh, they are not masters of their own political uh, domain. They are um, they are servants of Rome, and they are taxed heavily. And they are not able to govern themselves. And, and they have had a history of their worship being disrupted and all of these things. And so this passage uh, evokes this sense of hope that, that this is finally the moment that God has come. And Jesus is finally this person who is coming into Jerusalem to kick the Romans out. To bring salvation for God's people. And I, and I think that Jesus is using this image intentionally because it's the first time that jesus is saying saying look here i am like i am the messiah the king the coming one who is coming to set things right they don't the crowds they don't uh, miss this imagery i I wonder the, the the closest thing i can imagine to this is uh just kind of the the atmosphere of the day is is uh A crowd of people at a sporting event they are gathered and they are hyped up it is game seven of the World Series it is game seven of the Stanley Cup Finals it is uh, game seven of the NBA Finals and the Super Bowl I don't really care about the Super Bowl but those other ones I like anyway uh, the crowd the faithful have gathered to see their team win and they are just they're waiting waiting and there's all this hype right before the team streams out of the locker room onto the field to begin their warm-up and that first moment when that first player steps onto the field the crowd just goes crazy or it's like a concert and you are waiting you've suffered through the warm-up acts who might be good and finally the band that you have paid good money to see takes the stage and the crowd goes wild or you are there to see uh, your favorite politician had a campaign rally and you've waited. There have been other people who speak, spoken. And when that person comes onto the stage and begins to address the crowd, the crowd goes absolutely bananas. This is the, this is the atmosphere. Israel believes this is as close to a celebrity as Israel will ever get. This is the savior. This is the one who's going to pitch game seven and bring home the win this is the guy who's going to hit the three-point shot at the buzzer for the winner well they don't miss this imagery right and so they are they are gathered around they are crowded around they begin to spread their their coats and their cloaks on the ground uh, in front of the path where jesus and this donkey are going to come they're waving palm branches they are throwing those on the ground and they are shouting hosanna well uh now we back to, to Advent, John the Baptist. We, we quoted this passage from Isaiah, like, prepare the way for the Lord. Um, make, make the path straight and smooth. Well, that's what these people are doing. That's what these Israelites are doing. They are preparing the way for their salvation, for the Savior of them, of the world, to come into Jerusalem by laying and making the path smooth and straight. They're calling out Hosanna, which itself means uh, this is what they said the crowds went ahead of him and they followed and were shouting Hosanna to the son of David blessed is he blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna in the highest heavens the word Hosanna itself means uh, help I pray or save I pray they are excited they know what is going to happen they know that they're their salvation is at hand, and they are ecstatic. They are going crazy. Well, I, I think they are ecstatic and going crazy because I think that they, they, they know that Jesus is going to come and, and exercise political rule. That he's going to come, and he's going to kick the Romans out, and he's going to do it in the time-honored way of revolutionaries. He's going to, he's going to trade in his donkey for a war horse and chariots. They're going to enter, engage the Romans in battle, and they're going to kick them out. After all, that's kind of the image that uh, that, that the passage from Zechariah evokes. Only, only there's a difference. I think that Jesus chooses this donkey because he wants to communicate something different. Now, in in the age of the patriarchs, in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's day, even in the day of Zechariah. Uh, donkeys were common. They were ridden by kings. and uh, But by this time, by the time Jesus rolls around, uh, the donkey was a lowly animal. If if you were a Roman soldier, if you had power and authority in, in any kingdom, you rode horse. But Jesus comes and he's saying, I am this savior. I am the savior of the world that is coming into Jerusalem to bring about salvation for God's people. I am going to release you from your prison. I'm going to break the bonds of injustice. I'm going to bring hope. But I am not going to do it riding a horse. I am am bringing about this salvation on the back of a donkey. Humble beast of burden. I am the king of glory, Jesus says. I am the conquering, I'm the suffering servant, really. See, I think, I think as with the conversation that, that Jesus has with the sons of Zebedee's mom and with his disciples, he's saying to them, look, the kingdom of God is coming, but it's not coming with the war horse. It is not coming through the power of kings like the way that we understand it. It is coming from what's coming on the back of a donkey, humble, Seeking to serve and not be served. Seeking to, to be humble and to give his life as a sacrifice, not to take a life in, in an effort to bring about uh, domination and rule. Well, I think we need to hold this, this image of, of Christ's kingship, his glory as the savior of the world, as the savior of Israel, kind of in tension with this humbleness. But at the same time, as we are hoping for salvation, we should not draw too much on this image of of God as God or Jesus Christ as a conquering hero because that's honestly that 's not the one that that takes the day it 's not the one that wins. It is not the sword that wins, it is Jesus on the back of a donkey. it is Jesus carrying his cross, it is Jesus hanging on the cross, seeking to serve and not to be served. Seeking not to lord his power and authority over those uh, in his kingdom, but seeking to serve those. I I think it's probably really safe to say that the crowds that day, they saw Jesus as this conquering hero. They saw him as uh, the king of the world who was going to come and kick kick the Romans out. Uh, They expected that. They expected this salvation that would make Israel great back into what it was once before. And it's just not, Jesus just wasn't going to do that. In in their mind, Jesus dying, which was not something that was in the realm of possibility. And so in a couple of days after Jesus comes into Jerusalem, riding to this great fanfare, these same people who chanted Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the very same ones who have this expectation for for this great political salvation and transformation of their, their nation. They're the same ones who, when it becomes apparent that Jesus is not going to exercise rule like the Roman empires do, but they're the very same ones who are chanting, crucify him. We want Barabbas instead of Jesus. Give us the murderer, instead of the savior of the world. I think for us, the temptation is always to latch onto these images of Jesus, the one as uh, the conquering hero, uh, the one who will come and, and make us maybe a Christian nation again, uh, that who's going to enter into the, the halls of power and to turn things around in our country, in our world. And, and I, I'm afraid that if we do that, that if we latch onto those images, images, we will be like a blind man who Jesus heals, right? We will be unable to see all of the things that God is currently doing in our world through the humble service of those who are willing to ride a donkey instead of horse, through the humble service of those who are seeking to serve and not be served. I'm afraid that if we latch onto these images of power, that we will like the crowds. We will one day chant, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But we will also chant later on when we are disappointed that Jesus through the power of God does not work in the same kind of powerful ways as we hoped. We too will turn on him and chant, Crucify him, crucify him. Give us the criminal instead of the savior of the world. My prayer is for us, is that as we go through Holy Week, as we are are making our way towards Easter and the celebration of the resurrection, we would spend time contemplating our image of Jesus, Do we see him as this conquering hero who's riding a horse, who's going to make everything right again? Or do we see him as a humble servant who's who's riding a donkey, who will in a couple of days wrap a towel around his waist, even though he is the creator and sustainer of the world, to wash his disciples' feet, the lowliest of jobs. If we find that we have latched onto the image of power, May we confess that. May on Good Friday, we, as we gather in darkness to watch, really to celebrate the death of Christ, may we confess and repent and let go of that image. May our dominant image of Christ be the crucified, yet resurrected Lord. May we go into the world, not riding a horse, not seeking to be served, riding a donkey seeking to serve uh, the world around us let's pray dear lord i thank you for your love and your goodness thank you that you have come to be the savior of the world that in no uncertain terms that someday your kingdom will come in its fullness and that you will be well that you will make all things right that you will unloose the bonds of injustice, that you will set the prisoner free, that you will heal and restore the brokenhearted, that you will raise us from the death of our own sinfulness and bring us again to new life. Lord, I, I hope that as we go through this week that we will be the kind of people who are expecting not not salvation maybe in the way the world understands it, through power and might and violence, political power, But that we will understand your salvation as, as hope, as service, as self-sacrifice, uh, that we will not forget that, that you were in heaven with all of the privileges and powers of being God, that you limited yourself, that you came down taking on our form, the form of a lowly servant, that you were obedient, that you did not use your power for yourself, but that you emptied yourself of all but love for our sake, for the sake of humanity. Lord, as we go through this week, may we be a people who don't use the power that we have for for ourselves that we too empty ourselves for the sake of service to the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I'd like you to uh, extend your arms and to receive this benediction. This is the, the benediction I've been saying over us every day on, on, in our morning song. Now to him, by the power at work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace today. Thank you for joining us, and I will be praying for you every week. Uh, go in peace. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.